1: Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. It's August 21st, 2022. This is Tom coming to you from the Washington, D.C. Outpost, and Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. In a game in which the Steelers did not lead any meaningful categ- offensive category, we managed to eke out a 16 to 15 victory over Jacksonville. But yes. this being the preseason, the win doesn't mean as much as what we learned, and maybe it's not what we learned, it's about what we may have to relearn. And that the that is the play of this offensive line may mean that we're playing with Win Hen tied behind our back again. We also have to hope that the defensive unit's lack of stoutness against the run isn't a harbinger of last year's abject futility. There were a couple bright spots. Kenny Pickett left picked up where he left off last week, and Presley Harvin's 2022 uh, debut was a bright spot. And is it possible that Chase Claypool has found his niche? So with that, let's get into the podcast. Nick?
2: You know, it can get better. That's what I'll say. Just before anybody panics, they can get more linemen next year. They Hell, they can even get more linemen the year after that.
1: When you start talking about this 36 year? months into the <laughs> future, that <laughs> smacks of desperation.
2: Yeah, it's tough. Okay, so I'll say this. Um, I know people want to say, oh, people freaking out because it's preseason, this or that, acting like you are unable to – um, to really diagnose any element of the team from from preseason as if preseason has absolutely nothing in common with the regular season. Of course, that's not true. This line's been getting run over. They played deep into the second half. Uh, Kendrick Green, I think, even went back in in the fourth quarter. And we're talking against third stringers. So here, here, here's the issue with the line, which is what I want to lead off on. And Then we'll talk about how the quarterbacks have still been playing really well, and we'll talk about why the hell did – Mike Tomlin only give Kenny Pickett eight snaps, right? But the, the headliner is the line. And well, I guess what I'm trying to say is we can tell they're bad, but we knew from the preseason that they were going to be bad because here it is. They don't have good players. And when you don't have those, it's hard to be a good team. So I know they dra- – and then the big – um First of all,
1: I just want to point out to people that that's the value you get from this show, insights (laughs) like that.
2: (laughs) No, I love that saying. Um, I've been saying it a lot when it comes to the Detroit Lions. Everybody's excited about them on Hard Knocks. And you get attached to MCDC Motor City, Dan Campbell, and these likable characters. Antoine freaking Randall L., my other favorite Steeler of all time, is a coach on that squad, former Steeler great Deuce Staley. You basically get seduced by charm into thinking, hey, maybe they'll be good because I'm only seeing this team's training camp and not the other 31 training camps that are, I wouldn't say, identical to that given MCDC's uh, old-school 80s approach to football. But uh, other teams, you'd be getting attached to other players and coaches. I said, yeah, maybe the Detroit Lions will be better. My only question about them is do they have any good players? And sometimes you just have to make it as simple as that. And a little tongue-in-cheek, like, uh, Detroit does have some good guys, but obviously the quarterback situation, the skill position, is super unimpressive. And Do
1: the coaches um, count, former good players? Coaches who are formerly good players.
2: I mean, if Antoine and Deuce still got a little left in the tank, then, yeah, that would probably help a lot. But that is what I'm trying to say with the offensive line, is a few things. Like, we knew they were going to be bad, but could they be, bet- could they be the 22nd? best line in the league instead of the 29th or the or the 30th. There is a big difference there. They have not invested in the position. They lost an absolute all-star line over the course of like two years, it disintegrated, a completely Pro Bowl line, right? It's going to take a while to rebuild, especially when you don't use a first or second round pick in two years on an offensive lineman. You don't spend – I mean, you spent big money on, in a way on James Daniels, but it's not like you tried to sign – uh, Trent Williams or a, a really marquee player and so you're gonna get what you pay for there if you're hoping that fourth round picks like Dan Moore are gonna turn out that is that's is not a good business plan. Now, especially when they drafted Pat Fryermuth, because after they drafted Najee in the first round when everybody who knew anything about the Steelers was aware of the fact that they need to draft offensive linemen. They have the worst line we've seen in years here. Oh, my gosh, they went with a running back. Surely they'll take a lineman in the second round, and they take a tight end who's not really necessarily a blocking tight end, even though he'll turn into that. The the timer starts ticking. Then they go, the next year, no lineman in the first two rounds either. Right? So we knew that they just by the limitation of the roster, they can't be that good. You can't just constantly believe in the Steelers. They'll just be awesome. You can't name the once in every 15 years Antonio Brown. Oh, you can get a guy in the sixth round. Oh, you could get Vince Williams as a quality starter in the sixth round. Yes, you can, and they probably will, but that's not a business plan, I guess what I'm trying to say. So to wrap up all this offensive line stuff, it's been terrible this offseason so far. These quarterbacks they haven't been under duress. They just don't have any blocking in front of them. They're running for their lives. And side note about that is it's incredibly impressive how Mitch and Kenny particularly have handled themselves behind bad offensive lines. So that's a weird bright spot. So I guess we should thank them. Maybe this is part of the business plan. They're just trying to test these quarterbacks, but they should get better. They will get a little bit better because that's a continuity position, right? There's five linemen. They have to work in tandem with each other. They have a new center. You know, th- that's a lot to be working with at one time. So they will get better than they are now, but they do just have lim- limitations in terms of personnel. So that does put a little bit of some damper on the hopes for the season, but they've had this equally horrible line for the past few years, and the quarterback play wasn't as good, and the skill position play wasn't as good. The skill positions are overwhelmingly talented right now. So the Steelers would be in every game, Um Regardless, and after they finish these drafts, this is what I've been trying to preach on the podcast is, I guess they're just leaving the line for last. They're trying to draft people according to value. Can you really argue with Najee, Friarmouth? and we don't know about Pickett and Pickens yet technically, but so far it's looking really good. Is anybody gonna complain about those four picks, right? What happens if next year? okay, this is our priority. We're taking a lineman, two of them, within the first two, three rounds, and we're going to also pay for somebody. Like, no matter what, this is the priority. That's, And then you turn around, you have everybody on the team who's currently on there, the, the, the rash of superstars they have, and then you get the line. They just had a lot of holes for the Steelers. They can't build it all in one time. So I guess I'm trying to say the line sucks, but I don't totally blame it on team building. It's, there's just so many holes you have to
1: fill. Well, my argument I would argue against that because I've always argued when I own a team and I will own a team because I bet heavily. um, Yeah. (laughs) I would start with the line. I would start with both lines because for a couple of reasons, one, you know, the, the, the lack of acumen of this line now limits your offense, right? Your, your choice. So many times have we run it? We had shoot. I have the game book up here. I mean, you can't run Canada's offense if you can't run the ball. So we had 24 rushing yards on 14 attempts. Against, you know, which which is a markedly better team. My point is, you've got to have a line to give yourself offensive flexibility. You have to have a line for two other reasons. They're the cheapest guys out there on offense, and they'll last for 10 years. They're like a Buick, and you should have your Buick, and you can get your kids all the way through school until they go to college and go and get their own, you know, car. So that's a horrible analogy. But I guess you have these, and and we've argued this, I've rationalized Najee. Like I've always said I love the toys, right? It's fun. Claypool, Najee. But how long is their shelf life? Even if with a good line, running backs we know have a pretty short shelf life. Maybe receivers on the Steelers go to a second contract. That's rare. And then your tight ends might last a long time. But all these toys that you have won't last long enough to get to a well built offensive line.
2: So I get what you're saying there, but I I just think that the game has changed tremendously. Cincinnati, terrible offensive line. You know what makes up for that? An amazing quarterback and amazing skill position players. Because the rules of the games have changed. To let those guys get away with more. Back in the day, yes, you could kill quarterbacks, so you had to protect them. There are so many things in place to protect the quarterback, and especially with their athleticism now, you can make up for a bad line with an amazing quarterback and a receiver who nobody can cover. And those guys, quarterbacks and receivers, also generally last 10-plus years. I know you're talking about Steelers and second contracts, but it is what it is. So I don't think that you can just build through the line. Otherwise, you have what the Indianapolis Colts had for every year after Andrew Luck left. Like, we have the best line in the league, but we just can't win games in the playoffs because we don't have the quarterback. The Bills, their line is good. It's not a dominant offensive line. They have no run game. I, I don't even know if their line is good. They have one of the worst run games in the entire league. They're in the championship all the time. Kansas City, their line hasn't been great. Of course, you won a good line, but I do not think that it is the first thing you build with anymore. Of course you want that. Now the Najee pick, look, it is what it, like, we've said it from the beginning. Like, we're excited to see him play. He's going to be an amazing player for the Steelers. Here it is. He's a really likable guy. He's an incredible running back. He's a first-round talent as a football player. And if they win a Super Bowl with him, then I would say it's all worth it. If he's one like the star player or whatever, right? But we said from the beginning, it, it's a bad pick. You you can get they could have gotten Javante Williams later. Well, I guess not. Javante Williams got drafted, but it is truly the position where you couldn't you can grab guys where you're going to get eighty percent of the production in the second round. Where well, you can't do that with receivers, like as we've seen. Like you need guys who can produce, right? And you need to draft those guys high. And same with quarterbacks. So I think that they've been fine in what they've done. The Najee thing, I think we've always disagreed with it. Whereas but <laughs> we support it now that it's happened and it's not like we think it's the dumbest most irredeemable decision in the world but if you had to like assign percentages like well it's probably 70% a bad pick because you could got get a guy with 80% of the production if you had used that pick on alignment and perhaps you know spent some more money on alignment and got aligned that way but um, i think that you're going to turn around next year and we're already talking about next year, but I do think it's important we're talking about team building in the preseason. Next year, you have so much freedom to work on offensive and defensive line, and then you turn around like, oh, wow, Pickens, Pickett, Deontay Johnson, Friar Claypool, just an embarrassment of riches at the skill position. So I guess that's just kind of my two cents on the line is like, be prepared for them to be bad but they've been bad the past few years and the Steelers have made the playoffs or been right at the playoffs and you have better guys around them now. So yeah,
1: and you're you, it's going to be a little painful. One of the better players being uh, one of two facile quarterbacks, you know, guys who can move in the pocket guys who can move out of the pocket. Unlike last year, I guess that's your point.
2: You got th- yeah. And you're going to probably need them because poor Mitch Trubisky has like went from Chicago with a terrible line to chilling behind Josh Allen to, to the Steelers with a terrible line. And, I just watched that first drive again from Trubisky. He's handled it so well. He looks good. You know, on that first drive, shocker, Deontay slips and falls on what should have been a a 40 yard, you know, catch and run. Love him. (laughs) He's gonna make the plays, but he's gonna have those too. Uh, And then the play after that, he fires a 30 or 40 yarder to chase Claypool in the slot. Like, he's evading sacks and then throwing aggressively down the field, something we haven't seen in probably four years. So he's acquitted himself well. He had a Ben scramble during that game where he got the ball, scrambled to the left, like pivoted, scrambled back in the middle of the pocket, got tackled by a guy. Oh, no, I'm not tackled. Squirts out to the right, and, or squirts out of the left, and then fires it down the field to Deontay Johnson or whatever it was. But um, yeah, he's going to be running for his life. So good thing they have him. And his bones are thicker than Kenny's. So maybe that's why Kenny doesn't get a play.
1: He, he does uh, have a scapability. He's not Ben strong. He's a strong guy, though. I mean, it's not like, you remember, guys were like, Lilly on Gulliver slapping him, and, Dan, and uh, Ben would just stand in oh, yeah. the pocket a lot of the times. But um, man, he is Trubisky is strong. He can you, you've got to get is, your yeah. arms around him to bring him down. Yeah, he's thick and he's. Should very we fast, spend so. more time on getting the bad news out of the way? Because because they both are related.
2: No, there's good news. I think we I think we lavished it on last week. I think everything that was true about last week is still true now. Like they have one of the best skill position groups in the entire league already and everybody's like 22 years old this is all positive stuff you're excited about this um i think that right now we can just kind of address the the main themes of that game which to me were the the harbinger of things to come with the offensive line and then the weird why does kenny pickett only get eight snaps because that's a deep one right so i saw somebody say online that kenny pickett what he's at like ninety percent completion right now, three touchdowns, no picks. I think he was at ten or eleven yards per throw this this past game, which would be uh, you know substantial uptick from the game before. It's not like he's making any crazy throws, but he's just so in control and so accurate, so decisive, and doing all that behind a bad offensive line while he's getting hit, while people are, are coming at him. You and I talked earlier about the throw to Friarmouth, where the Jaguars' homer announcer. I mean that literally, I think it was the Jaguars broadcast, right? But Bucky Brooks was on it. I can't remember. Um, said, oh, he, you know, Fry, what's his name? This is going to be impossible. The Kenny Pickett, Pickens thing. This is miserable. We have to go with Kenny from now on. Kenny and George. All right. So he talked about like, Kenny throws the ball down, downfield to a wide open Fryermouth. And yeah, Friar was open in the middle of the zone. But that was because the Jaguars brought a ton of pressure and he had, Two guys in his face before he threw the ball, doesn't flinch at all, throws it perfect spiral, right to his hands, in like it perfectly in stride. That's a really nice non-rookie play, right? So going back to some of the tweets where people are saying, hey, he's having a Dak Prescott like offseason, and they're referring to Dak Prescott's rookie year. He's a um, fourth round pick out of Mississippi State. Tony Romo is coming off of major back surgery at the time. And Prescott just lights the world on fire in their preseason, throwing for, like, 150 yards every game, multiple touchdowns. And the unthinkable kind of happens, and they say, hey, we're actually going to start this guy over Tony Romo, and then Tony Romo rides off into the sunset, right? I don't think Pickett's quite at that level because, like we were saying, Prescott was making big plays down the field, and he was eating up yardage. But I think it's kind of hard to argue that uh, Pickett seems like this is, like, the second-best one we've seen in a long time. With this type of play, I know it's a small sample size, I think it's very legitimate for people to be asking, like, well then, why don't you just start him? Like, unless Mitch is Patrick Mahomes now or something, you might as well start Kenny Pickett. So I think that there's some legitimacy to that, but why does he only get eight snaps? Like, did that rub you the wrong way? Because I think everybody's a little upset that the Steelers played Mason Rudolph the entire second half. Like, I don't know if that raises his trade value, playing against third stringers and beating up on them like he did. And then if you're not going to play Kenny isn't this the perfect time to get him experience when you're not in a real game, if he's going to sit behind Mitch, which is a perfectly fine strategy, they have a terrible offensive line. I understand wanting to just feed Mitch into the fire. Like, look, dude, we're giving you 11 mil. You're, you're going out in a body bag. I'm sorry, but here's the money. And Kenny, you don't want to put these rookie quarterbacks behind bad offensive lines because they can start developing bad habits. They're not able to stay in the pocket because there is no pocket. So you don't really learn how to play the position correctly at the NFL level. And you can lean on all those bad habits from high school and college where you can just be improvisational. That does not work unless you're Kyler Murray or whatever in the NFL, right? So I understand it, but it just seems like this would have been the perfect time to get Mitch more snaps, who has never started a game for the Steelers and hasn't started an NFL game in over a year, right? And then it also seems like, well, if you're not going to start Kenny, he needs more snaps. And if you're going to not give Kenny any game experience during his rookie year, he needs more snaps. So why is Mason getting snaps? Did that rub you the wrong way?
1: Here's where I repeat myself for the thousandth time. I wish I was in the room when these decisions were made because it felt very pre-programmed. Trubisky quarter one. Yeah, I agree. Kenny quarter two. And, um, Mason has the whole second half part of me could see them position, trying to position Mason. But if you want to do that, you don't put him there with the threes, right? You, you give him every chance, let him show what he could do with a, you know, if not the first string, the second string team. So I'm, I am scratching my head about that.
2: Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. So I think we definitely disagree with the handling of that, but I would say if you look at Kenny and Mitch. Obviously, this is the biggest story offseason. It's been 20 years since they've had a new quarterback. They got two new sighting toys in town. They played great in the first game in my mind, and they played great in the second game in my mind. And their their games looked identical. Like obviously Trubisky's under so much duress, and we're kinda I'm kind of giving him a lot of credit for incompletions, I guess, but it's because who's gonna complete those passes? He's getting bum rush and he's handling it well and delivering Actually, some catchable balls. Like I think Deontay should have caught that first deep one, although I haven't looked at it again. And the ball's coming out of his hand nicely. He looks so much more decisive and composed than he did in Chicago, while at the same time showing, like, oh, yeah, this guy is a first-round quarterback. Like, he's really big. He's really fast. Man, his arm's a lot stronger than I realized, right? So I think that he's looked great, and I think that Kenny's looked amazing, too. He's looked the same way he did at Pitt. I think that's what I was saying last week. It's kind of a. Uh, it's so impressive how quickly he's picked up the game. He reminds me, reminds me of uh, Ken the Snake Stabler, not just because of the name, but there's just a snaky way to he to his playing. You know, it's a serpentine aspect to Kenny Pickett. I think that's going to turn. But he's a lot not smoking on. on the on the on the field. He should, he should. Hey, he's got the long hair too. Maybe, maybe this is Ken Ken Stabler. But, me- but I guess what I mean with Pickett, he's like. He is very agile and very quick, and everything's compact. His throwing motion is really nice. He throws spirals all the time. He knows where to go with the ball. The touchdown to Benny Snell, it's an outlet pass, right? Like, we we talked about this on the podcast. Those aren't as easy as people think they are. Like we said with Ben, he's, of course, he's good at every pass. This is one of the best quarterbacks in history. But he wasn't always great with underneath stuff in terms of, like, throwing the perfect pass ball whereas Brady and Breeze we'd whine about them throwing all these short things but you do have to give them credit it's always a perfect spiral it's at the perfect speed so that a running back you know it's not their professional job to catch the ball like a receiver so that these guys can catch it and it always hits them right in stride Aaron Rodgers same thing whereas Ben he's better throwing middle and deep where then he does that thing right it's perfectly in stride perfect spiral whatever it is um and I'm exaggerating a little bit, right? I'm using Ben Roethlisberger. It's not, not a great analogy. This is one of the best quarterbacks ever. But you do see that with Pickett, like the, the pass to Benny Snell for the touchdown. I know he's wide open, but just perfect throw, perfect spiral, just like last week. Yeah, he looks awesome. And obviously Mason looks good too, but, I mean, Mason is playing against third stringers. I do think Mason has gotten better every year and is an, is a pretty good backup quarterback. Well, now, but do you? Do, I don't know. Is it
1: possible? We got Mitch for two years, right? Mitch, yeah. is, Mitch is actually the trade bait because why would you have two starting quarterbacks I mean, yeah. on your roster unless you got them for nothing, which you have, and you don't want, you, you don't want to waste your rookies
2: too much of your rookies time. I do think the offensive line thing is a big deal. Like someone like Mitch is going to be way more prepared to deal with that. I mean, he also has the physical skills, but just being used to NFL games and regular season will be very different. We're not, again, we're not taking any credit away from, from Kenny, from playing against, uh, you know, second teamers, he did get a play against the first teamers. But when you're going to send him out there in the regular season versus like the AFC champion from last year with some really kooky defenses, it, it it might not be the most beneficial for him to start at that game with a crappy offensive line. Whereas Mitch, he's more used to this. He's been in the league for years. So I do see the benefit now at this point with how good he and Mitch have looked. Like there is benefit to sitting Kenny. Although I do think the first few games are some of the easiest for the Steelers. I'll, like, I think that they can, but then again, it's like, well, I think they can beat the Patriots, but then that'll be the most complicated. Like, you definitely don't want to put a rookie out against Bill Belichick and them. Um, and But then I guess the question is, like, it sort of seems perfect to let Mitch start six to eight games and then put Kenny in. You just worry about team like the team vibe at that point. Cause like we said before, it's hard to see Mitch blowing it so badly so that they would put in a rookie. And then you wonder if you'd upset veterans like, well, why are we putting in this guy? But then again, they might not be mad if they're, if they're pretty comparable and it's pretty amazing how they've handled the situation to this point. But I don't remember your initial question because I'm just blabbering on about these two guys. My question was, uh, do they, Oh, the trade trade
1: Mitch, because now they would have a a legitimate two in, in Mason and they'd pay him to not, you know, second quarterback, money continue to pay him that if he would stick around when would they trade him
2: you mean like immediately yeah
1: I, i'm i'm yeah. half kidding well i'm mostly kidding yeah I, I know what you, well, somebody i know what you mean throw about. that out there and yeah that, that's really the i mean that, that's really only you've, you've got two well i'm maybe i'm ordaining kenny too quickly but just based on our small sample size the game's not too big for him you gotta he, go if you can slow yeah. it down it's it's pretty yeah. interesting to see the stories that we saw at the beginning of training camp which you know Intellectually, we one were week. we yeah. acknowledged yeah. that it was no time, but our hearts were beating faster because, kind of like, crap, he's a boss already.
2: But having seen him, <laughs> oh man, Malik Willis, Malik Willis, Malik Willis looks You're so too. good in his first game, just scrambling, <laughs> and then Kenny, one night later, is like well, I guess he went ninety percent and threw two touchdowns and <laughs> won the game. That's pretty nice. Um, I don't think that they would actually. I think that that's totally legit. I don't think they'd be able to trade Mitch for much. Um, next year would be the implication, just because they have no leverage. It's like, well, you have Kenny Pickett. We know you don't need this guy. It would just be an availability thing. If you, if somebody got hurt on another team, which you never wish for, and they needed a start and they're like, well, let's trade for Trubisky from the Steelers. That could happen. The version in the back of my mind before these games had started was the other way around. Like, I, I've been on the record of saying, like, you, you can't just expect Mitch to become an awesome quarterback. That's just almost never happened. But. What if he was? <laughs> Cause you do see his physical talent and you know me, I I'm I there's no superstar quarterback ever, really besides like Cam Newton, who's an exception because of what he can do running. If you're a superstar quarterback, I guess what I'm trying to say, you have to be a beautiful thrower. Like it has to be so natural to you where you can throw from different arm angles, you don't have to practice it, it is what it is. And Mitch is a really good athlete who's also a good thrower, but he doesn't have that natural thing that Rodgers or Ben or or Burrow or these guys have, right? So that may preclude him from being a true superstar. But if he was really good, then maybe you trade Kenny, who would have higher upside because, oh, he's a first-round pick. If he had a couple good games, then that could happen. And I was thinking that when they drafted Kenny Pickett, you're like – Does this really ever work when you have two quarterbacks? You really only have one. That's where I thought that situation would work. But obviously, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say they would never trade Kenny Pickett because that's their draft prospect. He came from Pittsburgh. By the way, I am not advocating for that. I'm just saying, I'm just spitballing on your half kidding remark, which I think is a very legitimate remark. Remember when um, Drew Brees was the quarterback for the Chargers? I feel like people forget that. And then he didn't do that well his first couple years, and they drafted Phillip Rivers, who was obviously a a supremely ballyhooed prospect, as it were, with Ben and Eli. And then right when they draft him, Drew Brees goes off, becomes a Pro Bowl player. And then they trade Drew Brees to the Saints because Nick Saban at the time, who was coaching the Dolphins, didn't think that Drew Brees' surgically rehealed shoulder had healed enough. So they passed on him. They took Dante Culpepper. They sent him to the Saints. Katrina happens. He saves the city of New Orleans. What a crazy story. Anyways, I digress. That was one of the last times I remember a team having like two really good guys who was a, a second round pick, Drew Brees, but early second round, who was deemed to be like, okay, he wasn't, he's kind of a bust. Oh, crap. He ended up being really good. Well, we'll trade him anyways because we have the new toy. So that does happen. Um, but I don't know if the timing would work. Is there. Can you draw comparability between eras? And, and this is a
1: sincere question, not not a setup. Yeah, but it seemed you look at Aaron Rodgers. How many years did he spend? Yeah,
2: I think three or four. I mean, at least
1: three. I think so. Four. He probably burned
2: his first Something contract crazy.
1: back when they a weren't paying. It's probably relatively a lot of money, but for the times. From-
2: no, he had a lot. That was pre CBA, the pre the other CBA. So I, I think Aaron did make a lot of money that first year. But he wasn't a top ten pick. He was twenty four. So. How- so.
1: I'm not sure how he would have been rated, whether he projected to be the kind of quarterback he's turned out to be. Let me, let me finish my point. Right. Um, sure. Did it take longer for quarter, quarterbacks to develop back then because they, they were three sports stars Definitely. and they played football Definitely. for three or four months and then they came out, whereas today, these guys, any quarterback who even sniffs the NFL plays football or trains for football 12 months a year. Do you think that happens? And they go to Phil Simms. Yeah, 100%. The man in camp.
2: Yeah, they're definitely more ready now. And somebody said this, I think it was Antoine Bethea. Or I think it's Antoine Bethea, as you say it. But uh, he, he hosts the Man-to-Man podcast with Darius Butler. Those are both defensive backs in the NFL for over 10 years. And he said the reason why the quarterbacks are ready early now is not just because they get so much more practice growing up, but the NFL for the first time ever is really adopting more college schemes than they used to. We, we know obviously they'll never do the full thing, especially when you watched a Kenny Pickett game at Pitt and you're sort of astonished at how many screens like they throw and <laughs> how open people, like that's the college game. When you I remember watching Trevor Lawrence. I was like, damn, this guy's amazing, but I wish I could see him throw something besides a screen. And I don't necessarily think, I don't think that's bad play calling. I think that's just how you play the game at that point. But so I guess what I'm trying to say is the NFL is never going to adopt the full thing, but they have taken a lot of the college game and the spread ideas and spread passing concepts. And so intellectually, these quarterbacks are a lot more ready. So yes, I agree with you. These guys are ready earlier. My thought has always been, it depends on the guy. I do think they should play their rookie year. I like the model of like, let the other guy start the first six to eight games, just so the rookie, I, like, I think that's the kind of learning you need. Like, I don't think you need to watch for a year or two. I think the only real learning you do is when there's a pass rush. And Matt Ryan was on Pat McAfee's show uh, this week as well. And he said that's the biggest difference from college to the NFL. Like, he said, you get used to the passing game pretty quick in terms of how fast the receivers are and how quickly the defensive backs close on the ball. You get used to that pretty quick. What's tough is how fast the pass rush is and your timing for everything being off. So. That's why I think these rookies need to get in early because that's the only way to get used to it. But but it's team-dependent, right? The Steelers, they have a bad offensive line, but they have such great skill positions and a good defense. I don't think it's a horrible situation for a guy to go into. Zach Wilson last year with the Jets, that's tough because they had they had nothing. They had no skill. They had no play. Like, I don't know how uh, productive that's going to be. Justin Fields in Chicago – I'd be worried about him right now developing bad habits cause he's going to have to run for his life all the time. Right? So what you have in Pittsburgh, it would be ideal. Hey, let Kenny get an idea of the NFL speed and preparation from the sideline for a few weeks and then put in Mitch. But once again, you worry about your team chemistry along that way. And, uh, I don't know. I don't I don't think they can go totally wrong either way. Do you have a, a preference or I know it's too early to tell. It doesn't but. feel
1: logical that you learn the speed of the defensive line from the sidelines. You know, it feels like you got to be in what it feels like to me is that they're I will use the word ego, but there's a an orthodoxy from management coaching standpoint maybe that's like they've designed their program and how they're going to approach this and they have they, they maybe circled Kenny, but You know, Mitch was more than insurance. He was going to be their guy for he was going to be their stopgap and uh, kind of maybe two years was sort of the minimum just to get him to come in the door. I'm just wondering if this is all pretty much designed and they're going to stick with their design and some until something breaks. To your point, why would if if the Steelers are um, on a roll, you don't pull, you don't you don't mess with the chemistry. You know, six, seven yeah. games down. I mean, that that's the kind of orthodoxy that gets you killed. You know, you start believing your own, um, you know, your own pre, pre-season thoughts and following yeah. them without uh, deviation, not noticing what's really going on. I guess, I'm sorry, I'm rambling a little bit. But if, if Mitch is successful, you got to stay, you got to stick with what, you know, the girl that brought you to the dance, so to speak.
2: Yeah, and you're not, we could use some more rambling from you to spare the listeners from my affliction here. I think that the Steelers have a weird approach to quarterbacks and they do try like, Hey, let's just get more in the building. The more in the merrier, we'll see what happens. That's why I think they drafted Dobbs. That's why I think they drafted Mason Rudolph. Um, and I always said in those years, this is a dumb strategy. Like this never works. You, just got to draft the guy, the highly rated guy. You don't just throw a bunch of average players in there at the same time. And I kind of thought that's how they approached this when they drafted Mitch. Although I, I understood with Mitch, like you didn't know if you get Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis and you did need a starter. So And he was cheap and that, he's a great bridge option because there is that upside. And even if there isn't the upside, he's a solid quarterback to begin with, like compared to what the Steelers have worked with the past few years with Ben Pass's line with a terrible Ben passed his prime with a terrible offensive line and receivers who didn't like to make combat catches and stuff like that, and then Mason and Duck, right? But I think that the Steelers are telling the truth. They're like, "Uh, we really liked Mitch. Omar Khan, by the way, he went on Pat McAfee this week. I don't know if you heard it. I don't know the last time we heard Colbert go on McAfee, although Colbert did go on uh, Pro Football Talk with Mike Florio earlier this summer, but... Yeah, Con went on there. He said, like, we really liked Mitch. And then when Kenny Kenny slid to us, we just couldn't pass up the opportunity. And I do think that's the way they think of it. If we tie this whole podcast together with the bow, their first and second round selections from the last two years being skill position guys and no offensive linemen, I think that's that indication. I don't think that they were set out to take an offensive lineman. I wonder if, I don't know, I'm blanking so badly, there was the, the lineman from Virginia Tech, I believe, the offensive tackle who got drafted by Minnesota one spot before the Steelers drafted Najee. I'm totally blanking on the guy's name, but he was kind of considered to be the last legit offensive line prospect. I wonder if he were still available, would the Steelers have taken him instead of Najee? I know they had a specific love affair with Najee Harris, but I tend to think they would have taken the guy according to how the draft board fell, and I do think that that's what happened with um, Mason. Or not Mason. Sorry, with Kenny Pickett, and so that's just what happened here. Like they do like Mitch, but they're also intelligent human beings. We're like, okay, well now we we got this first round quarterback, the Mitch money. It's it doesn't prohibit us from from moving forward that way. And I think that uh, their their quarterback by volume approach is actually working out.
1: That tackle drafted right before Kenny was Trevor Penning of Northern Iowa.
2: No, no, no! Not, not before, not before Kenny Pickett, before Najee Oops. Harris, the year before. Okay, well, yeah. I,
1: ironically, that was an offensive lineman right before. Um, yeah. So, what number was uh, Najee drafted? Twenty-four. Is it like
2: twenty-four? Oh and, yeah, Dara, aren't they always Christian yeah, Darisaw, right. Like, a legit prospect rather than... I know a lot of people love to look back in retrospect and say, why didn't they draft Creed Humphrey, who the the Chiefs drafted in the second round and has ended up becoming, like, one of the best centers in the entire league. And I always say that's not fair. That's retroactive. Nobody had Creed Humphrey as a first-round prospect. Nobody. And anybody who said that pre-draft, I think there's just a lot of people on line who, like... who. Who's watching all this tape? You're not, unless you're working for the Draft Network or you're Alex Kazora. So you're just looking at rankings, and you're seeing, we really need a center. Pouncey's retired. Who are the best centers? Okay, it's it's the injured guy from Alabama, and then the next one is Creed Humphrey. He's considered a second or third rounder, but we need a center, so like just take him there. I don't think people were really breaking down the film and saying, no, 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 I need to stand on the table for this guy. He's a true first rounder. I guess what I'm trying to say is that's that's retroactive thinking. Like, someone should have took Brady in the first. Like, nobody th- thought that, right? So that's different than them taking any offensive lineman it- instead of Najee versus, hey, this is like a consensus first-round lineman in, in Darius. So I think that's what happened with the quarterbacks too. They're just like, hey, this is too big of an opportunity. I think that's what happens with George Pickett. Like, I think that's what happened with Juju Smith-Schuster. Oh, my gosh, we might need another position. Cornerback, Juju's year, right? A lineman, George Pickens' year. But we're about to get a first-round player at a position of not immediate need, but a position of need. We're taking this guy. So I think that's how they've
1: operated. I think we've plumbed the depths of this unknowable situation enough, <laughs> and I I, I I need to talk about um, just my abject fear of uh, the defensive side of the ball with with this rushing defense. Yeah. It's oh uh, yeah. I know we didn't have Cam out there. Will he make the difference? Because he was out there last year and we got gashed.
2: It's worrisome. This is a long-standing pattern here. I need to see it to believe it. I think a lot of people think about the Steelers, the uniform, and the tradition, and the defense has been bad for 10 years, except for that one year when Duck was playing and they got Minka and they were all of a sudden incredible, right? I will put it with the caveat. I'm not not trying to be a Debbie Downer, people. I'm trying to point out how the NFL, more than any other football league or level of football, is contingent upon a lot of things working for you, and one of those things being your schedule. And that year, they really didn't play any quarterbacks. So how good was their defense that year? They were good. I don't think they were dominant. I think the rules have made it hard for defenses to be dominant. I guess what I'm trying to say is people think the Steelers defense is better than it is because it's the Steelers, black and gold. They have great defense. It's Mike Tomlin. And then they have three like defensive player of the year candidates on the field with TJ Cam and Minka. But there's something wrong with that defense. Obviously, losing to it and Alu Alu over the past few years, that's a huge deal. You you can't just pretend like they'll be okay when you lose players like that. You've invested what well, like an eighth of your salary cap into a couple of those guys like you specifically designed the team knowing we have this guy and this other guy now we'll look in other areas right so I'll give them a break with some of the, the massive injuries that they've they've suffered I don't know how much of this is schematic you and I both like their defensive line depth you have these encouraging guys like Loudermilk and Montrevius Adams but that's not Stefan Tuitt and, and Cam Hayward quite yet so let's hope that those dudes develop maybe they'll be more like Brett Kiesel types uh i'm saying like the the working man hey this is a good starter he's a legend in pittsburgh but he's he's solid hope they need a little bit more of that hopefully larry ogan does the job uh, from from cincinnati via cleveland we will see uh the Devin bush it, it's terrible i don't know if you heard his response um to reporters asking him this week of like hey you you're, you're listed as a co-starter with Spillane on the depth chart. How do you feel about your future with the Steelers? And he sheepishly responds like, well, uh, I'll be in the NFL next year. So whether it's with the Steelers or not, we'll see. It's like, Great. That's the passion we want from our middle linebacker. Well, <laughs> So I think that that's obviously a big worry is linebacker. But damn, come on. The, the line should be able to do a lot of that work. Yeah, too. I, I,
1: I'm i with you on, um, we do have some depth. I don't, you know, we don't have another cam on the roster. The Marvin Leal look, look good. I mean, I I kind of, it's promising, promising. I'll tell you the most fun thing is just what's the, what's the condensed version again? And just watch TJ. You're not that many plays to watch him. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's it's just crazy that they can't, it's crazy.
2: I guess you can't figure it out. You know, who else is good as Alex Highsmith Uh, and and Miles Jack's playing great. So I do want to say, yes, they, they have to be better. But it's kind of like what you said, and I guess I repeat it. I have to see it to believe it because they've had some good guys the past few years, and for some reason they just keep getting gashed in the run game. Yeah, I guess you just can't
1: do it with your, um, you know, essentially your ends, right? You, you, you've you got to have linebackers, yeah. and, you, and the line has to stop something, and it's it's not Carlos Davis. I'm sorry.
2: The linebacker play – yeah, sorry. well, He's going to hear this. Khalil. He's going to take revenge. No, actually, I, I don't oh, know. Yeah, he just yeah, popped in my head. I, I'm not picking on him. It's – No, 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 no. When you know what you mean, like a player, that's what I'm trying to say. Those players have huge value, but you do need the guys in the middle. And I do think the middle linebacker, it's not like you didn't have, it's not like last year you had a good middle linebacker and, and a not so good one. You had nothing, you had extremely bad middle linebacker play. Miles Jack is going to make a big difference. Ogunjobi, if he can stay healthy, hopefully that makes a difference. Oluwalu, obviously that makes a difference, whatever. And then these this rash of backups. So the roster is significantly improved from last year. So that alone will be reason to, to be hopeful. But, yeah, it's it's scary just because the track record, it is so bad as of recent.
1: I think the other uh, negative before we start moving on to a couple of bright spots, I guess we talked about Kenny already. That That's a bright spot is, you, you know, the running game. But just I'm better. not... You know, I'm a little torn. I mean, Benny Snell looks like Benny Snell to me, and McFarland looks to be dropping faster than you know, a rock and water.
2: Well, the war we were all hopes lie on Warren, right? All hopes lie on Warren, and Are you talking uh, about uh, him. that
1: think... he would be on the 53 man squad.
2: Yeah, well, he'd be the. No, oh, no, you're right. Yeah, I guess that is that is a question. That is a question. It, it, man, Mike Tomlin loves Benny Snell it's definitely
1: making a case and and benny had, he benny is, had his past production's huge ben, too Pass protection yes. and benny had two good plays last mm-hmm. night the um special teams tackle and the touchdown i mean you give him credit but man without a great offensive line and i, I have to acknowledge that's why i'm torn i mean i don't yeah. know how much these guys how far these guys can go without a line guaranteed naji's still going to get five yards on
2: some of those plays right yeah yeah he's a first round running back yeah exactly and so we'll see. I don't think that that's a, a massive concern. We listed backup running back as a big concern in the offseason. And at McAfee, I think, he's so hilarious with all the Pittsburgh stuff. He mentioned to Mark Caballi on the McAfee show again this week that people, or I guess Caballi mentioned this, like people are always wondering who's going to back up Najee for those five snaps per game. Like there's, Yinzers are so concerned with that. I, I think that we, we aren't concerned about the five snaps a game we're concerned about the last 10 years where the Steelers starting running back has like never made it to the end of the season because they only give them five snaps a game. So I'm not even looking for the guy to, to spell him. I'm looking for D'Angelo or Connor to be like, well, we, we don't want to get in the Fitzgerald Toussaint. No offense to him. He did pretty well as a backup running back, but we don't want to get in that situation again like they would get with Le'Veon. So we knew that was an issue. And like we said before, there are so many holes to fill in the Steelers roster. You lost the entire offensive line. You lost a lot of the defensive line. You People are forgetting they had Bud and to it like two years ago. Like you lost so much. You lost your number one corner. You lost your linebackers. You lost Vince Williams. You lost your quarterback, your number one receiver, your running back. You lost a lot of pieces. It's going to take a few drafts for them to get back together. And I find it difficult to complain about. Najee, I know that's the tough one because maybe they weren't in the window to take that first-round running back. That's when I think you take the first-round running back is when you're on the precipice of the Super Bowl, and you're like, we this guy could definitely put us over the top, and it's not going to be like, hey, by the time the team's finally good enough, oh, crap, it's Ezekiel Elliott or Le'Veon Bell where they're past their prime. But it's hard to complain about Najee, Firemuth, Pickett, and Pickens. Like, how, what? So okay. and next year. We'll wrap back the up the
1: playing back. field aspect of, um, of the game. <laughs> I I, didn't, I don't want to even raise the specter, but I, I just have to say I had a little boss made me nervous. With, but, you know, he probably hasn't kicked a whole lot in his first time out, but an extra point had me on edge. But the, the highlight for me oh, yeah. was Harvin. Man, he and I, uh, you know, caveat, of course, I know it was a preseason game, but his free kick was a boomer. Was it 72 yards? And, and his punting seemed to be, you know, one went into the end zone, but I mean, he landed it and uh, they Jaguars just made a great play to keep it on the field.
2: I think it's so easy to root for such a likable guy as your punter Harvin and with what he went through with his dad last year like that sucks. He did admit this season like yeah that really made an impact on me. Of course, man. That that that, that is really difficult. Um, We definitely commend the guys who fight through that. You remember Brett Favre's big game after his dad died. Like it can be fought through, but that's why we celebrate it is because that is really difficult. So we'll give Harvin a little bit of a pass for that. It's hard to punt in Pittsburgh, this or that. So we root for him, but I will say I was thinking about this the other day whilst walking through a parking lot. I don't think I've seen a worse punter season than Presley Harvin last year. Like, the worst I've ever seen in a long list of bad punting season by the Steelers. So, you'd hope it would be a, whole, a short leash and we definitely, we're definitely rooting for him but you would think that, look, he's a draft pick. The Steelers give those guys nine lives. It has, it has worked out for them in the past. Right? So, uh, I would think the, le- the leash would be shorter. Look, we'd like to thank Sports Drink for putting on our podcast. Sports Drink is the intersection of sports and not sports. They got Specific team podcast for all kinds of pro and college teams. If you'd like to get a little intel on the opposition, there, check them out on socials at sports drink. That's sports drink without the vowels. So that's at sports drink. There, we'd like to thank them for putting on our podcast. I'd like to point out a a Warren Sharp tweet I just found. Warren Sharp, you know, he's the super analytics guy on Twitter, very smart guy. He has become a little bit more controversial over the past few years because sometimes he does have some very cringy, hacky takes where he'll put a replay of someone making what he calls a bad play and he'll get exposed for like, you didn't understand the guy's responsibility there and you're taking this out of context. So that is a little frustrating when I see that from the stats guys. I'm like, let's not get cute. You're the stats guy. But now you're going into the subjective and, and you're trying to make it seem like you're a, uh, like a pundit in that realm. But your whole gospel is preaching analytics and things like that, and then by the way, you sort of expose yourself when you're improperly diagnosing plays, right? But he wrote here, and he does. He's a little emotional, I will say. He he gets a little biased. He hates the Steelers um, as a result of what they've done play calling and with Ben the past few years. And I do not fault him for that. It has been miserable with the play calling. We've said it, you know. Ben, you could say, oh, he held the offensive the offense back. There wasn't another option at that time. We knew that they were transitioning. So it is what it is. But I understand why he gets frustrated watching the Steelers, and I do not blame him for that. But here is the tweet. Um, now he's showing a replay here, which does help a little bit. But he says, Steelers QBs headed in vastly different directions. Kenny Pickett is headed into Roethlisberger's shoes. So far in the preseason of 72 quarterbacks, Number two time to throw, I guess quickest time to throw, 2.3 seconds per attempt. Number 65 in air yards. So he's saying he's dinking and dunking and throwing the ball right away like Ben used to. And then he says Trubisky, number 67 in times to throw. It takes him over three seconds to throw and number two in air yards. And he provides the example of where Mitch broke the three tackles and rolled out of the pocket and threw the ball down the field. Then he does a follow up tweet and says, Two of these things are not like the others. And it's a graphic. It says, Percentage of attempts 10 yards down the field by rookie QBs. It's got Malik Willis at 50% and Desmond Ritter. Then it's got a couple guys above 30% uh, 30 and 40%. And then Kenny at the bottom with 18% throwing the ball 10 yards downfield. I'm not sure what point he's trying to make, Dad. I think that we've watched this and said, Kenny doesn't even have time to throw the ball down the field. I think this is a little indefensible, especially when, I don't even know, I'm not even quite sure if I'm attacking him for the right point. I'm not trying, I don't know what he's trying to say, because when he, it looks like he praised Mitch Trubisky for throwing the ball down the field more, and by the way, I loved how he threw the ball down the field on that first drive. We've been complaining about that for years. We said that's the next thing we need to see from Kenny. Can he throw the ball down the field? I'm not worried about that right now. It's his first few games, but I agree with Warren like we want to see that but then the replay of Mitch Trubisky is this miracle scramble where he breaks three tackles and reverses field and runs to his left and chucks the ball downfield incomplete out of bounds and gets hit by two guys I don't know what you're trying to say like that's not a sustainable play are are you suggesting that they should he should play more like Mitch I don't know what the point is there their line sucks I think that they're being forced into this a little bit
1: speaking of Twitter did you see the tweet of the fan fight in the stadium? Oh, yeah. it's brutal. It was brutal because it looked like there's some big guys in there look like like they could have a real pounding. But and there were a couple of a couple of punches landed. But you've got to watch this tweet on the Noah Goldberg. There's a lot of I got to say, there's a lot of slapping going on, too. And then a couple of guys diving over chairs. Anyway, it, it's worth seeing Uh trigger warning. There is violence involved in the fight bad news um, yeah we got word this week and you, everybody probably already knows that Anthony Miller is out for the season that that's a bummer Bummer. he looked like he was coming somewhere. Two receivers yeah. down huh um and just in a, a validation of my choice to take you out of baseball the Steelers Seahawks <laughs> game drew more than MLB on Fox now I guess it's a known fact that the the preseason games are going to draw even better than the regular season baseball games, and nothing beats the NFL oh, yeah. uh, postseason. But ever, yeah, just kind of, I'm just not sure how baseball's still in business. I know people still love it. Cousins still go to the Pirates game. No,
2: I think they beat. I think the, the the preseason beats a lot of the basketball games as well. It's just football really is the the super king.
1: It is the super king. So the Steelers. Be. We moved to a Sunday game, 4:30 against the Lions. I think it is in Detroit. I'm not mistaken. So we'll be hopefully we'll get a little action on Hard Knocks. We do a little action on Hard Knocks, exactly. It'd be great. Any uh any parting right. shots, or we you think we covered everything in enough detail?
2: No, I think this has been one of the more fun preseasons that we've had in a long time, because like you said, there are a lot of new toys to um, add some shine and sparkle and sizzle and zest to uh, a quote unquote rebuilding effort that you know, so far so good. We'll we'll see what happens, and and hopefully they score more than a couple points against Detroit.
1: Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at Steelers Outpost gmail com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers.
2: Okay, bye bye.